In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of Southern Fried Soccer. It's Sunday. I'm at Mercedes-Benz Stadium where Atlanta United drew with NYCFC 2-2. As always, I'm joined by Jason Longshore of 92.9 and SoccerDownHere.com. Jason, how you doing? I'm tired after that one. That was a that was a fun match. Um, I feel like it's one of those that both teams can feel like they should have had three points, but the draw was probably the fair result in the night. Yeah, that's what most of the players said in the locker room, too. They thought it was a good game. They thought it was probably a fair result. A um, little housekeeping uh, Greg Garza opened the scoring in the 29th minute with his first goal of the season. A tap-in off a shot that Sean Johnson probably wishes he would have done a little bit better with from Miguel Amaron. Uh, Johnson kind of spilled it right into Garza's path. It wasn't a particularly hard shot, um, but he didn't really pair it away very well. Uh, New York City answered. Uh, David Villa was inserted into the game following an injury to Tajori Shirati. Uh, Via very smartly on a counterattack, kind of got Atlanta United's defense going the wrong way and then took advantage with a backheel pass um, <clears throat> to, I believe, it was was Medina or Morales? I think it was Medina out wide, and then he found Burgett in the box. Right. Who... And then Parkhurst. Parkhurst saw him coming. He was trying to make up ground, saw him coming, wasn't sure if he was going to shoot or cross, so Parkhurst decided to slide and... Burgett cut inside, and Parkhurst ended up getting him with his trailing leg. Yeah. Penalty, David Villa, it wasn't a good penalty by David Villa. Guzan got to the, uh, the right side, his right, got a hand on it, but it went in. For the tying goal, Atlanta United answered uh, with Chris McCann's first goal for the five stripes. Uh, Miguel Amaron with the assist. It was uh, just a simple little cross uh, from the left to the right. McCann Saw everyone kind of moving into the six-yard bot, so he hung back just a little bit, and that's where the ball ended up. Great build-up to that, though, yeah. where VH, you know, cleared it at the top of the box, and Parkhurst kept it in play, picked out Kratz, who had a nice little flick out mm-hmm. wide to Almarone, who had the cross. And McCann joked, I, I kept me eyes open. <laughs> and headed it into the ground. Yeah, we asked him about it. On, he was he joined us on the full-time report on 92.9, and we asked him about the goal, and he's like, really, I don't remember much about yeah, it. Yeah, that's what he told us, too. <laughs> it fell to Almiron, and I was just getting ready for the cross. It was a nice goal. He headed it down, and good little celebration. Um, nice little bit of redemption for him, for those who still kind of criticize his performances game in and game out. Stop doing that. He's been great. Um then the big one, another big moment in the game happened. Um, well, we need to go back to the first. We'll, actually, we'll talk about that in a second. A the next big moment came when Ezekiel Barco made his long-awaited debut in the 69th minute. 
came in, um, you know, didn't make a whole lot happen, but you could see sparks of what you're what the team expects to see. Definite flashes. Uh, going into possibly next week at Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, Barco said, you know, he seemed neither satisfied nor dissatisfied. He was more unhappy with the result, he said. Uh, his teammates thought he did perfectly fine. Martino thought he did perfectly fine. Um, NYC respected him. You, yep. you could see how much they dropped off when Barco came into the match. And then uh, New York City tied the game in the 73rd minute on a once-in-a-lifetime shot from Alexander Ring. It was probably 25 yards out, just a rocket. And to the upper left corner, I think it hit the crossbar and hit Guzan and went in, or maybe just hit the crossbar and went in. Crossbar and in, I think. But nobody was stopping that yeah. thing. No. Um, and it was his first MLS goal. What a time to get it. What a shot to get it with. Unbelievable. Such a player. Alexander yeah, he Ring. chased down Almiron in the first half, and you don't see that. No. But he chased him down and got him on a breakaway. We, we joke on soccer down here about the holding midfielders appreciation society, and Alexander Ring is definitely part of that. Uh, him playing from the start tonight for NYCFC made them a much better team. Such an important part because he gives them balance. Mm-hmm. He lets everybody else go forward, and he just sits in front of the back four and cleans everything up. And when he gives you anything going forward, it's a bonus. I need to say that if Almiron would simply use his right foot, none of that would have happened because he could have taken a shot. But instead, he was trying to get his left foot around the ball and circle back for a shot, and that gave Ring the time to catch up. The one-footedness, in my opinion, is one of the big things that's going to hold him back because he's not Arjun Robin. He's not... um, the full, Diego Maradona. He, he's not the fullback for Manchester Valencia. He's not Ryan Giggs. Uh, no, uh, he's got to at least show that right foot every once in a while. Keep people uh, just a slightly bit honest. Anyway, I agree. The controversy in the game, as Chris McCann put it, VAR giveth and VR taketh away, and he's fully aware of what it gives because he was brought back onto the field last week <laughs> because of VAR. Darlington Nagby. Heck of a shot in the first half uh, from probably 20 yards or so, maybe 22. About 20. Uh, just one time, a right-footed shot. Kind of stunned everyone. No one was expecting it. Into the lower left corner. Everyone thought it was a goal. Alan Chapman got the VAR little buzz in his ear. Went. I didn't even see him look at the replay, but almost immediately called it off for what was termed as not offside interference, but offside something or another. With Joseph Martinez, who was yards offside and standing right in front of Sean Johnson. I don't think Sean Johnson was going to stop the shot. Gerardo Martino said three goalies wouldn't have stopped the shot. Um, but it was but, called back. Right. It, it is the rules. It's the right call. It's the right call. It's a call. It's frustrating, but it's the right call because he's in his line of sight. And you can't be in a position where it appears that you're impacting the play. If Martinez, in that situation, because it was kind of a bang-bang play. I have to go back and watch the whole thing again. I haven't had a chance to look at it. But it was a sequence where you had a cross come in. It goes all the way to the far side to Gressel. Martinez had made the run initially, and NYCFC had stepped up at that point. That's where he was offside. Gressel, with one of those perfect cutback crosses, didn't just whip it into the six. He picks Nagby out at the top of the box, and it's a great shot from Nagby. If Martinez had continued just walking away from the goal towards the end line, the yeah. goal would have stood. Or fallen down. Something. 
Just get out of the sight line. Yeah, he, he needed to get out of the, the the goal frame. I think if he's anywhere near Sean Johnson, that goal's getting called back. And I saw this this weekend multiple times, and I really wonder – we'll never get the answer. But I wonder from the professional referees organization if there was a conscious effort to make decisions quicker this week. Because multiple times on the weekend in MLS, we saw referees get the buzz for VAR and not go to the video – trust what they were hearing from the video assistant referee and go with it without looking. Chapman ended up walking over there at the end. I think it was more for placement and where to take the free kick from mm-hmm. because he didn't, he'd already made the decision by that point. Mm-hmm. This is where I think this whole process of VAR still needs to be fine-tuned. I actually like the idea of the video assistant referee honestly being able to override and yeah. not be part of the conversation. I don't have any problem with that. Do what the NBA's and do what the NFL's moved to because they do the same thing. Yeah, the central booth. It's a central booth and they can override the referees on the field. It's not a conversation about, well, I saw this and I saw this and I saw this. And that would be a smoother way to do it. But then another thing that needs to be included in it and just had the conversation with the guys over at 92.9 for the show after our full-time report, the communication has to be better once a decision is made. Because I don't think many people in the stadium truly understood the call. Right. And I don't think TV necessarily got the explanation either until much later. Right. There has to be a way. We don't have the referees mic'd up like we do in the NFL, but there right. has to be something that is done in that case. Yeah, I mean, you would think that someone could tell the PA announcer who could... Then tell the crowd. Yeah, and I'd, I'd have to look to see what the or NBA put it on the does board. in that situation. Just I mean, put it on the board after digital. the decision yeah. is made. Yeah, and say this is why the goal was overturned. Right, something because yeah. it is confusing. Um, I thought Kevin Kratz starting eleven. He's one of those players that he's never going to do anything flashy, but he's also not going to do anything that's going to make you go, oh, my God, Kevin Kratz, what were you doing? Kratz was absolutely excellent today. Um, I, I, I love when Kevin Kratz is on the field for this team. First half, 100% passing. He's a fundamentally sound player. And he can play anywhere in the central midfield. Yep. And he can even throw a little bit of flair in there for you on mm-hmm. the little back heel out to Almiron that created McCann's goal. Yep. Kevin Kratz, it was something that we talked about this week when you started looking at what this lineup could be without Vishalba, Kratz was the sub that made the most sense. And I think Kratz is the guy outside of the first-choice players that Tata Martino trusts the most. Uh, Barco. Uh, anything? Any other thoughts on Barco's debut? Got 21 minutes, not counting stoppage time. Let's look at, at the numbers. I don't know if we have the numbers for Ezekiel Barco. There we go. Um, One shot. One uh, I don't shot, remember the shot. I don't remember the chance. 13 created. passes, 23 touches. He won a free kick. You know, it looked like a player who's not at 100% yet. You know, he didn't have that explosiveness. If, if you've watched Ezekiel Barco on his rise at Independiente, he has such a great first step, and especially that little cut to the side. He's so good at that little shake and cut to the side to create space for a shot or a pass. Didn't quite have the the power to push off with, it seemed like. So... You know, what was interesting to me was NYCFC, when he came on, totally respected what he brought to the match. And they started dropping deeper and deeper. And the last 10 minutes of the match, this is the stat of the year for me, NYCFC had 12 clearances in the final 10 minutes plus stoppage time. That's almost unheard of. They were so deep because of what Barco brought to the field, because of Almarone's threat at that point. 
Atlanta United owned the final 10 minutes plus. They just could not find the goal to put them in well, the Well, the previous 10 minutes they didn't know. NYCFC most of the second half. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. a game of ebb and flow. Yeah. You know, the first part of the game I think was really up for grabs. I think the, the end of the first half and the first part of the second half was all NYC. And then that final 15 minutes or so was all Atlanta United. Yes. It was two teams that play completely different styles. Neither one wanted to change the way they played, right. and they canceled each other out. Yep. And it sets up that next match at Yankee Stadium is going to be a lot of fun because mm-hmm. there's a lot riding on it, and there's a lot of a lot of edge to it now. You saw a lot of chippiness tonight, and I think if you see these two teams match up in the playoffs, you better clear your schedule for those matches because this was the best match in Major League Soccer this year. Yeah, I think these are the two best teams in Major League Soccer right now. Right now. Toronto will be in that conversation. I really think it's a, a 1A, 1B, 1C. Toronto's there by default because of what they're doing in CONCACAF and what they did last year. I don't think there's anybody else who can play with these three when they're on. If Toronto keeps messing around, it's not going to get home field advantage in the playoffs. Uh, they're they're going to the fall East out of the top two. Little, yeah, the East is a little bit tougher. Uh, than I think people thought. New England's playing a lot better than people thought. Orlando yeah. City Orlando, has won yes. three consecutive. Not really impressive in any of them. But Building, who though. knows? They're yep. getting better every match. Uh, Philadelphia's proven it can jump up and surprise you. D.C. United knocked off Columbus this weekend, uh, which is a little bit of a stunner. The, the second tier of the Eastern Conference is pretty deep. You, know, you look at these top three, I think they are a class above. Toronto's going to have to make up some ground. If if NYC and Atlanta keep playing the way they are, that's your top two. And Red Bulls. Red Bulls are another one, and that's another tricky one. So, I mean, you're looking at a very competitive Eastern Conference. When I look at the West, I think Atlanta, NYC, Toronto, possibly Red Bulls are better than anybody out West. Mm -hmm. And I think Orlando, when they get the full strength, can be in that conversation as well. I don't know who the number six team is in the East. I think it's still up for grabs. But nobody out West can play with the best teams in the East on their day right now. Final question. Franco Escobar participated in training on Friday. Hector Villaba, Martino said, probably could have played if this was a bigger game later in the season. Might we next week see at Los Angeles a fully functional, fully healthy, full-strength Atlanta United lineup that includes... Martinez, Vijaba, Almiron, Barco, Nagby, Escobar, Gonzalez Perez, Parker, Guzan, Garza. There, there's two names that you left out yeah. that I think are really hard to leave out right now. Yeah. You know which two names I'm thinking of? Lorenowitz and Russell. No, I'm thinking of another one. Lorenowitz is in my lineup no matter what. Uh, I, I can't leave him out. Who did I leave out? Chris McCann. And, oh, McCann. And yeah, Julian McCann. Gressel. What I would do, and this is completely off the cuff, this is at whatever time it is now after a long day, but if I'm looking at a 4-2-3-1, I don't think Escobar is going to be quite ready. I'm not going to rush him back from a concussion. If you want to go 4-2-3-1 and you want to get most of your talented players on the field, I think you have to do a lineup with either Garza or McCann at left back, and you can toss a coin. I would go McCann, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Parkhurst and LGP as your center backs. Gressel is your right back while Escobar's out. Then that just creates another discussion later. Lorenowitz and Nagby as your holding midfield. Almiron is your number 10. Barco on the left. Vishalba on the right. Martinez up top. The reason I play McCann right now is it gives you the little bit of the best of both worlds. You, you kind of become a, a, a tilted team, which we've seen a few teams do, where you have Gressel at right back and you tell him, bomb forward as much as you can. You just have to come back and help. 
you tell McCann, don't bomb forward. You're going to sit back, and you're going to turn into a three-man back line when Gressel goes. You tell Barco on the left side, we want you to be the dangerous player, stay up top as high as you can. It becomes a little bit of a tilted team. It's a very tough from a matchup issue for a lot of, a lot of opposition teams, and it's really the only way to get your best players who are playing their best right now on the field in as big a numbers as you can. I would want McCann on the field simply because he's the tallest player and can deal with Zatan on set pieces. Yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly. And that's why I would play him at left back right now, just because you can get him in the mix on set pieces. So Zlatan's not going to beat anyone off the dribble right now. No. Uh, no, he, he can't can beat you in the air. Uh, and he can beat you from 20 to 30 yards. LA, LA Galaxy going forward are a very dangerous team. But if, if I'm Tata Martino this week, I'm looking at them defensively and I'm picking out who I want to pick on. And that's the outside backs right now for me. You know, you look at, at Felcher on the right side and Ashley Cole on the left side. Cole has lost another step, I think, in this <laughs> offseason. He'd already lost a couple. And and Felcher's just all over the place. Um, I feel like you can really hurt them defensively, but you have to stay honest because of Zlatan and Ola Kamara up top. And I, I wonder what's going to happen with Giovanni Dos Santos in the long term for the Galaxy. Same problem that he's had everywhere he's gone. Just He's a guy without a position. But now you got his brother on the team, and yeah. that could be a problem because Jonathan's been one of their best players. Yeah, but G- Gio just he doesn't have a position. Nope. Um, what do you got coming up, Jason? Ooh, uh, big week on soccer down here. Lots of stuff. Uh, we start tomorrow, 9 o'clock in the morning. We go 9 to 11 every day, blogtalkradio.com slash soccer down here. We also have a Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash soccer down here. We're doing lots of extra content for you guys. We have a a show about Nashville SC. We have a show about the Charleston Battery. We have a USL Weekly. Nice. We have a Soccer for Good show looking at the Soccer for Social Change elements. So thanks to everybody who's listening. It was great today to run into so many people at the tailgates who listen to the show and and just always come out and support what we're doing. We really appreciate it. That is good stuff. I hope that y'all listen to Jason's show. He and John and all those guys do a fantastic job. Um... This even is, though we like Michael Bradley. Even though you like Michael Bradley. <laughs> um, this is a little bit of a different game for me. Um, I'm going to probably leak. I think they're closing out here in a minute. After I post this, I'm going to go home and probably write a sidebar on Ezekiel Barco. I rarely do the sidebars after the game, but I'm going to do one on him. And then in the morning, I'll post the player ratings and the by the numbers and the man of the match, who I think is Brad Guzan in this mm, case, okay. uh, and not Almiron. Because uh, Guzan made a couple of huge saves in the first half. I was tempted to go McCann. Uh, McCann is a good choice, too. Um, and I probably won't do five observations tomorrow. Because uh, I'll probably also do a sidebar on Nagby's disallowed goal. Um, and as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. A podcast, again, is Southern Fried Soccer. Uh, I actually filmed a TV clip tonight for our partners at WSB unless it was uneditable which could be you might see that uh, either on WSB's website or I'll post it on our Facebook page or on AJC.com's. Again, it it may end up just being just, you know, not even watchable or listenable. I'm setting the DVR. (laughs) Yeah. And as I always say, I have a face and voice for print. Um... But anyway, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. You can follow Jason where? Long Shoe on Twitter and Soccer Down Here at Soccer Down Here. And again, 
Atlanta United draws with NYCFC 2-2. The Five Stripes are unbeaten in five and will take on Los Angeles next Saturday at the StubHub Center. Zlatan, 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 Zlatan. Welcome to Zlatan. Zlatan.